Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Council of Lit. I'm your co-host, Crystal Wolfgang, here with Coconut Mana. And we have a good friend here today, Dr. Keahi. He has two radio shows on KKCR, Kauai Community Radio. Um, the first one is Equally Sovereign, and that's on Wednesday mornings from 9 to 11. And he co-hosts another one called Out of the Box on Thursday afternoons from 4 to 6. He's also an amazing musician and a good friend, Dr. Keahi. Aloha, Welcome. guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. I'm man. excited. Yeah, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we could just, you know, get into it. Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know that much about you. And do you, do you want to introduce yourself? You, as you a... just introduced yourself a little bit before we were recording. But <laughs> right, right. If you want to talk a little bit now that we have the, the mic. Well, on. I mean, I... I a little I, personal background, maybe. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm Kiahi, and, and uh, I'm... Uh, Hawaiian local, local brother, and uh, I don't really like to talk about myself, but you know, thank you for that that introduction that you gave. Um, just excited to be here with you guys and and talk about important things, you know, things that people um, people can benefit from. So, just looking forward to that. But ask me anything you want. Open book. What does that mean, local brother? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, like you said you were from Oahu? Well, I was born on Oahu. Born on Oahu. Yeah, and then grew up, grew up on, mostly on Kauai, and I went to uh, kind of back and forth between Oahu and Kauai for my education, and then I went to college in the mainland in, in California and uh, got my doctorate in chiropractic there and then came back to Hawaii, and yeah, so... Local brother means that I'm <laughs> that I'm sort of uh, <laughs> born and raised in Hawaii, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, OG. can definitely relate. And where pigeon would be my my first language, you know, pigeon English. Yeah. Nice. That that brings up a question, kind of right off the bat uh, for me. Being born and raised and growing up in Hawaii, what are some of the major changes you've noticed since since being here? Like. Anything that like sticks out? Because I've I've not lived here too long, you know, maybe like five or six years, mm -hmm. and um, you know I've noticed some things, but uh, I'm sure you. Well, I mean, I can give people. you just kind of a uh, kind of rewind of when I first got came to the island, yeah, Kauai. I mean, we had a small airport, you know. Mm -hmm. just if you if you know where the um, I guess the UPS section of of the airport is right now or it's just like a small little hangar yeah that was the airport i mean that was it wow and it was just like you know one plane a day pretty much one or two planes a day and it was just a tiny little thing and one one traffic light you know it was just super basic and mostly just barren land you know the house we lived in was one house and then just miles of empty you know land and if, if you go to today it's that neighborhood is hundreds of homes just all you know clustered together super close That's so crazy. yeah i mean it's quite a bit of development i would say development and just the price of the cost of living is just kind of astronomical compared to mm -hmm. when i was a little kid and so that would be the most noticeable thing in the big box stores we never had any of that you know mm -hmm. that that definitely has accelerated the development and a lot of um i guess the real estate market just has been 
pretty aggressively promoted, you know, just mm -hmm. constantly since in the past, you know, three or four decades that I've, that I've, that I've been witness to that. So wow. definitely the, the development is, is, is even though Hawaii, uh, Kauai is sort of known for being quite conservative, I just think, uh, it's such a gem, you know, to live here. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, falls within the jurisdiction of the United States currently. And, and, um, because of that and its exclusivity, it just, it's a destination for celebrities and a lot of wealthy people mm -hmm. move here. And obviously, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is here and that's, was, that's a I big statement. That. Yeah. yeah. He, he just, uh, secured a big, bigger parcel of land, right? Like yeah. six or 700 acres yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Like more recently. Yeah. yeah. Just in the past few weeks, I think. Yeah. This might sound like a stupid question, but is that a welcome change? You know, I know that a lot of people have had <laughs> the, the development and really like strong that. reactions to that. Mm -hmm. I, I personally, I prefer, I prefer that if someone's going to buy up a bunch of land, I prefer it to be someone that is somewhat kind of independently wealthy and not looking to make more money off of developing the land. I mean, mm -hmm. this land could have fallen to anybody's hands. The fact that it went to Mark Zuckerberg, who is under intense scrutiny by, you know, the people of Kauai and, and by the world, you know, it's mm -hmm. like people are always watching what he's doing. It's really, and he doesn't need the money. So it's in his best interest to be a good steward. And, and I think because he has the resources that he has, I mean, he's in an excellent position to be a good steward. So to me, until we can figure out a better way to utilize the land on Kauai, I mean, what better hands to be in, you know, just to kind of preserve it, really. I mean, if, if I thought there was, there was a, a group or an mm -hmm. individual that was doing something with, with land that I thought, wow, that's what we should be doing with that. And they had the resources to, to mm -hmm. do that with as much land as Mark Zuckerberg has currently, I would, I would probably advocate for that. But I haven't seen it currently, you know, I, I can envision it. I have my own imagination and we have our historical record to show what we once were capable of. And so I, I'm always hopeful for that, but I'm not really seeing anybody living that, you know, what was once capable, like, what were you guys once, what were you once capable of or what, as far as Hawaiians, um, yeah. like food sovereignty for one, okay. I mean, that's being able to, to supply the entire community with with nutritious food and, and abundance, you know, to the point where we could share it with other communities, you know, um, it just, the food production w was just so sustainable and just the amount of people that were supported by, by that sort of system and the, the kapu system with the laws that were in place to sort of regulate that. It's just, it was just amazing. And, and so fine tuned the way it was dialed in. I mean, it just, the sophistication is kind of way ahead of its time. And so mm -hmm. that that's kind of, if you look across, if you look at the entire planet you and you look at the way that people care for, for their land, you really, um, I, I think Hawaii is one of the few places that there is actually a record of success, you know, like, so we can actually kind of boast about that, you know, we did it, the Hawaiian people actually cared for their own land excellently you know mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a really like spectacular extraordinary way so mm. we know it's possible and we know that no one's ever taken care of hawaii since then mm -hmm. in as in as great of a way so you know 
that's one of the reasons why, and I know we haven't gotten into this, but that's one of the reasons why I, I'm advocating personally for um, for uh, bringing Hawaii back to that sort of status, you know, mm-hmm. whether that means through independence or another way to sort of bring back those values and those systems that were in place at that time. Can you tell us what was the what was that what was the kapu system at that time and was land owned or was it um stewarded or how did that work and like yeah how was that achieved so it's it was a gradual process so Mm -hmm. if i speak about the way things were it's just that's just a snapshot in time so the kapu system evolved and eventually was Mm -hmm. abandoned so you know i do so i can speculate sort of on, on the way I think it was, and then you can compare that with the historical record. But before the historical record, there was only oral records. So, um, so you know, if we go back far enough, there was there was no need for a kapu system because people understood what was right, and they worked together and they collaborated and they cooperated. And so, you know, at that time when everybody was sort of we say Akamai, you know, they're, they're smart enough to, to figure out right from wrong and to actually discipline enough to, to abide by that. They didn't really need a couple system. They didn't need that sort of heavily regulated, um, regimented, like, you know, force law. To, and order. Yeah. You didn't need that because people kind of took it upon themselves to do the right thing. Yeah. And then when they see other people doing things that were kind of sketchy, they would speak up and they, you know, they wouldn't just keep beat. The idea of like we'll just agree to disagree that wasn't even that wasn't like a that wasn't acceptable it was you you would just you would have to say you know it was your it was your duty it was your kuleana to say you know that's not right whatever you think you're doing that's not right and if you want if you want to be a part of this ohana and you want my help you know you're gonna need to switch what you're doing otherwise you know i'm not gonna I'm not as willing to help you out when you need it. And so mm-hmm. it was sort of that um, peer pressure in a way, but not just peer pressure for the sake of having peer pressure, but because there was a, it was a moral obligation behind it. And so that's before the couple system. And then at some point, I think there was a transition because of uh, probably the desire for power and control. And it was, so then there was, it became more regimented. So the kapu system still served sort of what was needed in order to keep everything sustainable, but gradually, in addition to keeping everybody um, healthy and nourished, it would also, they could broker that power and use it to sort of control bigger and bigger areas through um, force and through kapu system where punishment was death or that type of thing. So it was like, you know, not just things that related to food and, and healthcare and, and housing, but also things having, having to do with respect of power and not sort of going outside the boundaries. So it's sort of in a way, it's a little deceptive because you're taking these laws and you're, it's just like today where laws are passed, you know, supposedly for, to help the greater good, but we all know of laws that are really designed and the utility of it is to just keep the power in certain hands. And so, mm-hmm. That, that, that was the same in ancient Hawaii. And so it served two purposes. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is people sort of got lazy and rather than taking it upon themselves to do what is right, they just refer to like the kapu. And they're like, oh, well, if the kapu says 
then I shouldn't do that, then I shouldn't do that. Hmm. Rather than having and making any sense of it. Like, why, why am I following? Well, I, all I know is if I'm going to be put to death if I don't do it. So hmm. I'll just remember that, you know? And, that, and then sort of, so if, over time, we can see that that sort of weakens the morality of, of, of the community because people start to forget why they're doing what they're doing, right? Hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. No, absolutely. <clears throat> Maybe that we can also tie that into current day status of what's happening in Hawaii and kind of how the transfer of, of Hawaii became a part of the United States. Yeah, uh, kind of. I guess it I, mean, is, I can give you an abbreviated is. version yeah, because there's a lot of dialogue there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like how but, we can move forward too at this, given where we're at. Because I mean, there's so much controversy about right. land ownership in Hawaii and just you know foreigners being here and all this stuff. I feel right. like, and it's like, how do you go backwards too? Right. Um, so it'd be really cool if we could touch upon some of that, of like current day stuff. How do we tie in the past with the present and how do we respect what's, what's here and what's taking place? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, let's go back to 1893 in 1893, essentially the, the Hawaiian government was overthrown at that time by, uh, I would say business interests that were that were here in Hawaii and they were, I guess, concerned that, that things were changing politically or that they would lose their um, advantage that they had, their political business advantage as landowners. And, but what before that overthrow, there was a system put in place to actually turn the land into private ownership. And so before that, it was communally owned. And so there wasn't any, there was no such thing as owning land. It was, everyone was a steward. and. You know, there were chiefs that would sort of regulate what would happen on the land, but, you know, it, would, it didn't rise to the level of, of possessing the land. And so the Hawaiian government uh, and the kings that were, you know, in power at that time had decided that they were going to turn the land into privately owned um, assets, and they passed this uh, system called the Great Mahele. It was a, it was a law, it was a legal uh, sort of re land reform to make land... So you could privately own it. <clears throat> and the thought was, or at least this is the excuse that's given, was that um, there was a lot of colonialism going on at the time and a lot of countries were getting taken over by these imperial powers. And they thought, well, if we privatize the land, then at least even if our country gets taken over, that the land and the private ownership would be respected. And so, which is actually the case. And that was the case for a lot of countries at that time who were, that were getting invaded. Uh, However, it created this sort of power differential where, where mm. you would have uh, certain business interests owning huge, huge tracts of land, and which you can st still see till today that that sort of hoarding of land persists in the same hands that, that it started off. And so um, it, that was compounded with the overthrow of the government because um, they were allowed to not only stay in power, but sort of increase their... their um, the leverage that they had because now there was a whole new system in place and you know they did away with the monarchy and they had they created a republic and the united states was sort of aiding and abetting in that process and so that that created a political um sort of situation because the united states um, should not have done that there were treaties between the united states and hawaii and there were international law and custom that were in place and all of that was sort of disregarded and and those laws weren't respected. So we have a situation that persists 
till today as far as the um, the questionable legality of it. <clears throat> and so um, that information is becoming more and more available and, and spread, you know, mm -hmm. so people are, are, are starting to realize that our history is sort of has that blemish and the United States doesn't really have a as strong of a grasp on Hawaii as they as they seem or as they represent. And so mm -hmm. it sort of creates uh, a little bit of a chaotic situation because now we're politically vulnerable, you know, we're at a, at a sort of this this stage where it could go either way. You know, Hawaii has a shot at being independent, but then United States has a a very um, embedded presence here, and so there's a lot of interests that are sort of in conflict with one another. But you know, I I, I definitely um, I think anything's possible at this point because because the information is out there and we can take a, a new look at history mm -hmm. and realize like where was history sort of uh, revised just to kind of make things seem a certain way. And that goes back to, you know, even Pearl Harbor, you know, and, and the idea that the United States was attacked is actually false, you know, it was actually not even, it wasn't even the United States. It was, it was a colony, you know, essentially. I mean, again, I didn't want to use the word colony because mm. colonies apply to lands that were not previously independent governments. So in the case of Hawaii, it was more of an occupation because Hawaii was already a recognized independent nation by you know, many countries They had treaties and everything. So at the time when the United States came in and occupied it, you couldn't really say it's a colony, but you definitely couldn't say it was part of the United States. The United States had sort of asserted their jurisdiction over it and passed laws and so forth. And so the rest of the world sort of had no choice but to acknowledge that Hawaii was, um, you know, uh, I guess technically part of the United States because of because of the f force that the United States had exerted and they had a military presence and so forth. But none of that was actually legit. So it didn't Bill Clinton come out <clears throat> and say, hey, actually, this this isn't a part of the United States or like we recognize it <clears throat> as its own sovereign nation. Well, he apologized, right? They, they ex Bill Clinton basically exposed all of that um, hidden information that, you know, it wasn't really hidden. It was, it's in the public record, in the public domain, in the congressional record, but basically made a public statement saying that the United States apologizes for their role in the overthrow of the Hawaiian government and, you know, wants to make amends with the people. And so um, even that was sort of a sensitive issue because they essentially only apologized to Native Hawaiians, which are, you know, the Aboriginal Hawaiians. But the Kingdom of Hawaii was composed of all races. It wasn't just Hawaiians. The majority it was Hawaiians. But, you know, at that point in time when the United States came in and took over, there were already nationals from every, you know, color and people had naturalized and people that were born here from, you know, that weren't, you know, Aboriginal. Aboriginal. So. When they apologize to the natives, is sort of, it, again, it's another sort of assault on the na on the true nature of, of of the Hawaiian Islands, which was a an independent, you know, country. And so, when they apologize only to the natives, it's sort of like forgetting about that whole other um, group of people. I mean, it's kind of like if you apologized to the United States for 
for bombing the Twin Towers, but she said, no, just, that was just for the Indians. We apologize mm. for, for the 9-11 attacks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah, that does make sense. That's yeah. sort of ridiculous when you think about it. I mean, but, yeah. you know, that, that's, what, that's the way it was done. And so uh, I like to promote that that was actually an incomplete apology. I mean, you know, and they even acknowledged that it wasn't just the natives that suffered because of that um, sort of the westernization of Hawaii. It was, it was all Hawaiians, you know, that suffered. And yet the apology was only made to the natives, which, which of course, as a native, of course I appreciate that. But it also sidesteps the issue and, <clears throat> you know. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't bring that up being like, oh, hey, this, it was all good. I just brought it up to bring it to the table. No, you and know, I'm like, what does that mean? I'm glad. To the Hawaiian kingdom or like to the ability of, of reclaiming this land in, in an independent way or like what, what needs to happen for that to happen? What yeah. would that even look like? Yeah, what's you know? the best case scenario for that? Well, um, I, I personally think, and this is my opinion, I think the best case scenario is that um, one, that an independent Hawaii um, be recognized once again mm-hmm. and that the United States, you know, gradually reduce their footprint and withdraw their sort of influence and authority. Wow. Um, I mean, if you look, I'll give you an example, like Britain at one point had jurisdiction over Hong Kong, you know, for, for many years since 1850 something. Wow. And so, uh, they're still in the transitionary period that that period is going to end in 2050 or something like that, 2047 is when Britain is fully going to, uh, when when Hong Kong is fully reverts back to sort of China, right? And so very similar, I like to use that as an example because in the same way that the United States sort of occupies Hawaii, Britain at one time occupied Hong Kong. It wasn't a colony, although a lot of people refer to it as a colony. Hong Kong was China. So the fact that Britain was there didn't, you can't say it's a colony, but it was definitely a gradual thing. And eventually Britain conceded to say, look, okay, so if, if you, if you allow things to sort of gradually shift over, then we'll, we'll give up control. And China agreed. They said, sure. I mean, you know, everybody speaks English here. It's a huge financial center. It's profitable for the whole entire world. We'll just let things kind of mellow. And then eventually we'll just kind of integrate back to China. And so that, that to me is sort of, a nice compromise because clearly we're not ready to be even even as a Hawaiian we're not ready to be Hawaiians what what is a Hawaiian today you know at this point we're so Americanized that we would just mm. be you know a, like a clone of America I mean you see that with with post-colonized countries where the country um, even after the colonizing force sort of retreats they're, they're acting the same you know they have a parliament they act like you know they they still act like they're, they're, they're imperial sort of masters in a way. So um, I do think there, it would be wise for Hawaiians to sort of organize and create a system that transitions us back to the way it was, not just right before the overthrow, but even before um, private land ownership. I, I actually believe that uh, private land ownership is, is one of the keys to keeping us um, sort of suppressed. And I think if it was communal, um, and no one owned land or that it was very limited. Like in Fiji, only 1% of the land is privately owned. Everything else is either um, communally owned by tribes and chiefs or state, you know, the, the government owns it. So that, that would really be a great equalizer because, you know, 
the way that land ownership is now, I mean, it's basically hoarded. It's like, it's like how diamonds are in, yeah. in African mines, you know, it's like they can control the prices. They, right. you know, they can mm -hmm. like control the supply and demand. I mean, that's what you see today. You see that exactly today in Kauai. I mean, you look at the supply of land and it's controlled by only two or three, uh, owners. Totally. I mean, just, just trying to find a place to rent around here. is like, <clears throat> exactly. It's insane. Well, yeah, plus there's a lot of hate from like, yeah, just get off the island and don't come here and stuff like that. But I feel, I've always felt like, um, land ownership is one of the greatest crimes against humanity in some ways, like privatized land, it is. you know, because it, how much energy do you have to give to the land, but you can't even buy it, you know, or right. like you don't even have a home, you can't even build anything, you can't do anything, you know, right. without that, um, that ability, and especially also for, you know, the indigenous cultures, too, mm -hmm. and, and what that's meant for them, and yeah, it's just crazy, so sad. What are your thoughts on foreigners being here? Like, what do you, like, and what are some of the, the negatives of Hawaii or Hawaii being colonized? And like, what, what has this done to, to the, the Hawaiian people and to the, the kingdom of Hawaii in a negative way? Well, I think, I mean, I can't really blame foreigners for, for, for the negative impacts. Mm -hmm. I, I think that as a Hawaiian, we, you know, I, I can share the, the responsibility for, for what has been accepted and allowed to exist here. You know, it's definitely not helpful to blame because okay. we, we were here all along and we allowed it to happen, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so it's a co-created situation. And so, so I think it's helpful to remember that first and foremost, because it's really disempowering when you place blame on others, because then you expect them to do something about it rather than for us to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I actually, f I feel that, you know, foreigners, um, if they if they behave properly, you know, if they act pono and do the right thing, um, should be should be able to stay here. You know, I think that um, and there's I think what's missing though is 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 the the technology and the um, tools for 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 becoming pono. In other words, to live pono and something I, I talk about frequently, which you guys may or may not be familiar, is um, the technology of Ho'oponopono, which is the technology of forgiveness. And that is a technology that you find within the Hawaiian culture that basically allows you to sort of redeem your ability to, to, to act righteous. You know, and that's, that's something that a lot of people kind of overlook and, and they don't really understand and they don't really understand how to apply the technology, but it's definitely something that is is in our culture, it's in our language, and it's sort of, in many ways, it's in our genetics as well. So um, it, it comes through the land, through the language, into the people. And, and so that's something that I think is that people that want to stay here should pay attention to that, because that is basically how you become Hawaiian, is by essentially transforming yourself through the language through forgiveness, through accepting um, your kuleana and your responsibility for, for being here and, and eating from the land and, and you know, uh, basically whenever you, whenever you eat, you're, you're basically exchanging that food for, for your body and, and you're becoming more of, of the aina. That's why we call it kama aina because you become a child of the aina. That's, 
that's what Kama, Kama is child and Aina is land. So when you say that you're Kama Aina, I'm from here, it's because you've been eating here, you've been breathing here, you've been like, you've been of this place <clears throat> as opposed to Malihini, which is someone who's sort of just visiting, just passing through. And so you can actually, and that's, this is something that is a Hawaiian thing, that it's not about your race, it's not about, um, you know, uh, your, your color, it's, it's about how you live. And at this point, at this stage, even Hawaiians that are Aboriginal in origin, as far as their ancestry, are no longer living in accordance with those, those guidelines. Many Hawaiians don't understand Ho'oponopono. In fact, very few understand Ho'oponopono as a technology. And so I try to talk about that a lot to get people uh, kind of accustomed to hearing that and like, what is this thing? You know, what is this Ho'oponopono and how, what are the secrets behind that? And yeah. how do I apply that to my life and sort of become more and more Hawaiian in the sense that I'm becoming a Pono, not, not mm. in the sense that you're turning brown or anything, you know, it's just, and so I sort of redefine the word haole even. It's, it's not a foreigner or a white person. To me, a haole is an attitude. That's, mm. that's where you're not, um, you're not acting right, mm -hmm. you know? And so you even have Hawaiians that are actually haole, you know, because they, they, they've been so westernized and they don't have the tools to sort of rediscover yeah. their truth. So yeah, I call myself Howie when I know I'm not acting right or when I'm slipping up. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm such a fucking Howie right now. <laughs> oh my God. You know, but I, I like the way that you refer to Ho'oponopono as a technology. Yeah, I, I do that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's still present. And just because it might be forgotten by most, it still exists and is still available to to everyone. It's just as much of technology as as electricity has always been. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like. Hmm. Obviously, when Ben Franklin was, you know, flying his kite, like, it seemed like witchcraft or whatever, but it was always a technology, and it continues to be a technology. It's just that we understand it better. And Ho'oponopono is very similar. I think the problem, though, with the dissemination of that technology is that it goes totally against, like, what you were just talking about, the private ownership of land and all of that, because if you embody Ho'oponopono and you really look at the truth of the matter, it's... You could never sustain a system that allows for private ownership of land while others suffer and, and go hungry and can't even, you know, sustain themselves. And mm -hmm. these are the things that Ho'oponopono will reveal. Mm -hmm. And so if you're attached to this sort of system of inequality and then you investigate Ho'oponopono, you, you would automatically dismiss it. Say, That's not going to help me. You know what I mean? I have to give up everything I own. Like, mm -hmm. no, I won't do that. And so... Um, but still, it still is a technology. And what happens is that when you eventually, if you, if you decide to accept that technology and you apply it, you will just tell people straight, you know, what you're doing is not right. I'm not going to force you to change, but I'm not going to stand here and pretend like what you're doing is, 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 is okay. And that's really when, that's when things start to change, when we can peacefully point people out and, and expose them. You know, and rather than try to hold a gun to their head and be like, you're wrong, I'm right, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of standing up for what's right and not just staying silent. I mean, that's why, you know, podcasts like what you guys do and, you know, the work that we do on the radio is so important because that's the voice, you know, that's sort of the, I guess, unsilent majority, if you can look at it that way, you know, yeah. just that. 
<clears throat> well, and, and that whole kind of energy and theme of Ho'oponopono and exposing the truth, I feel like is a really kind of important theme in Hawaii, but also in like what the whole world is experiencing right now. Right. Everything that we've been going through. And so, yeah, I don't know really where I was going with that, <laughs> but I, f I feel like it relates, you know? Cause there's well, there's a, a lot of injustice happening and there's a yeah. lot of people invested in that injustice <clears throat> as well. And right. it's not easy to give up that power necessarily or give up something you've put so much into if it's wrong and knowing you have to change. It's exactly, mm -hmm. that's, that's precisely why people have a hard time changing is they get it. They get sort of attached, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's kind of like your ego, um, when, when it, when it realizes that it's, that it was going in the wrong direction, mm -hmm. like it, it still can't back up, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, it takes a lot to sort of correct. And, and that's where this technology is, is so powerful because it's, it's self-correcting, you know, if you apply it, it's a vibrational technology mm -hmm. through words that essentially recalibrates your entire body to the point where the change, you know, I'm not saying it's effortless, it takes effort because you actually have to speak the words, yeah. you know, and forgive and forgiveness. Even if, if you talk about forgiveness, a lot of people get like this, they start to, you know, almost like tighten up just at the thought of forgiveness or they get all, you know, choked up about it. And so you know that 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 concept is 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 a difficult one you know we're we're conditioned and indoctrinated to like not go there it's not even in the in the religious texts it's like all it's completely vacant of that you know and so um that should tell you something as well because religion is is um to me obviously has been used to to control and enslave people and so you know so i encourage people to investigate that you know, Ho'oponopono. I, I, I yeah, really, beautiful. you know, when I'm on community radio, I can't really, you know, tell people what to do. It <laughs> sort of goes against the, the our policy. Um, but, you know, I wish I could, you know. I, yeah. Well, how would somebody who is interested in the idea and the technology but doesn't really know where to get started, like, what, what would they do? Like, yeah, where's the just like somebody say who's listening now, like who they yeah. want to evoke that in their life. Like what, what's a good I mean, way to for start? me, I, I, I basically just started investigating on my own, mm -hmm. you know, just, and I sort of, I, it led me, you know, on a, on a sort of an adventure where I met people that had bits and pieces of, of the technology. It wasn't, I didn't discover it all in Hawaii. In fact, very only little bits of it was in Hawaii and still I still had to go further and, and look outside you know at other spots you know and so um yeah I mean from some of it I picked up you know through some people that were part of Ojibwe tribe in you know trained by Ojibwe uh, chiefs in in Michigan you know and then that and then I with that sort of led me back to back to Kauai and, and met people in Princeville of all places and pursued a little bit more and learned a little bit more about the technology and experienced firsthand like, you know, healing, which never really experienced any miracles before that, like as far as like healing, but had a definite like uh, material experience, you know, personal experience with, with healing 
a very debilitating, you know, uh, uh, wow. condition that I had through through forgiveness, and so wow. that and that led me to uh, find some people in South Africa that were practicing forgiveness, and so I mean, it was like when you want to when you want to know it, and when you want to understand it, and you want to embrace it, it, you know, it's it 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 finds you, you know, you, but you have to put yourself out there, yeah, you know. You have to mean and it. so yeah and so i mean you I'm, I'm sure some people will will try to find me and, and you know find out like well what do you know or how did you learn this and that's fine i mean that would and i'm i'm open to that yeah but i'm not a guru you know what i mean and sure. and i wouldn't want to be but i do know something about ho'oponopono you know yeah. and i can stand on that you know and do i know it all no am i complete with my forgiveness process not even close but there are there are people out there that are they're they've completed that mm-hmm. you know and they are clean i would say wow clean <clears throat> yeah like clean soul like clean slate like empty bowl like i would say yeah like their their bodies are now resonating with um tr- with the truth rather than being layers and layers of programming and mm-hmm. you know structured mm-hmm. sort of yeah yeah i don't like <clears throat> being like not Pono with people or a situation or anything. There's a there's a density that, that just lingers in my gut. Right. I don't want that. It takes mm-hmm. away from my joy and mm-hmm. my happiness. You know, if I've ever experienced that until I heal that, or until I address that, or work right. on it, or just shine light in that area, and just sit with it, or just bring it up. And it'll come back to you. It'll it'll if until it's until it's forgiven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It will come back into your life. Kind of like a spiral. It just it keeps you keep keep revisiting it in a different form yeah. um, until you've until you've worked it out and and you know that's the nature of the technology. And again, it's not exclusively Hawaiian. I don't believe it's exclusively Hawaiian. Just based on my own journeys, you know. Yeah. But it definitely is a feature of the Hawaiian culture that mm-hmm. is hugely underestimated. <clears throat> that kind of brings me up to what kind of what teachings do you think the indigenous and, and, you know, past cultures have for today's day and age, you know? Because I feel like it's a voice that's not heard enough. Um, indigenous practices or ways of living that maybe <coughs> Westerners or people at one point just disregarded as savage or primitive or mm-hmm. whatever, but it was actually really just an advanced way of living that they didn't understand, you know? So, like, what, what was lacking, you know? Like from like a colonizer, like if I was a colonizer or whatever, which what? I don't know, you know, like what, what am I missing from native Hawaiians or indigenous cultures by being here or just by living my life? <laughs> so, so I mean, such a weird way to phrase it. I mean, there's I'm a, so sorry. I, I definitely think there's a, a lot <laughs> lacking, but you know, part one of the, you know, um, with, on the show that we do on Thursdays out of the box, um, every third Thursday. I usually host, um, and then Jimmy, my partner, is the co-host on that show, and we talk about out of the box through a native lens. So we try to look at ideas that are out of the box, you know, uh, mm-hmm. sort of non-mainstream ideas, like through a native lens, like through a native person, you know. And um, I'm native, you know. I'm also many other things, but one of which is native, and I try to apply that that framework when I address difficult issues that seem to be um, the solutions that we have so far are not really 
ideal. And so <clears throat> um, one of the and one of the ways that I approach that is by rather than looking at a solution for how I want the outcome to be, I try to approach it from well, what would be the best outcome, you know, for for everyone, not just me or not just you or not just girls or not just boys. You know, it's like how do we all benefit? How can we all either maximize the benefit or what helps uh, it helps also to look at it in terms of how do we all equally uh, suffer you know what I mean a lot of people have trouble when they're thinking about maximizing the benefit they're like trying to make it positive mm -hmm. but there's another way to look at it is how can it how can it be just equally unfair to everyone you know what I mean not unfair but like equally I guess tolerable mm -hmm. so it's not ideal it's like not even you know, you wouldn't even want the situation, but it's the situation that you have. And so if you only have, you know, five slices of pie and you got 10 people, well then you're gonna have to have half a slice, you know what I mean? And that might not be enough, but it's still the right thing to do mm. so that we all equally starve, you know? And so that's... Wow. <clears throat> um, so collective, uh, the, the benefit of the, the collective. Of the collective, yeah. For and sure. then of course, you would have people that would say, you know what, in order for us to have a chance, I have to, you know, one of us has to bow out. So I'll be, I'll be that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and that's okay. You can allow that, you know, you don't say, no, we're all, it's all or nothing. If, if, if a person's like, you know, wants to put themselves sort of on the line so that the rest of the group can have a, another chance, I mean, that's, that's totally righteous, mm -hmm. you know? And, I mean, it's, it's, and you can, you can approach that consciously or, or with awareness or oftentimes it can manifest in, in ways that it may seem involuntary. In other words, if a child is born, you know, uh, without arms and legs, you know what I mean? And it just like can't survive, mm -hmm. you know, and that child basically is electing to, to, to basically tap out and say, guys, you got to continue without me. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to speak it. Common sense will tell you that. This kid is not gonna, you know, we, we cannot give this kid the life that 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 it really like would would be, you know, serving. And also, if if we pour all our resources into this child, like we're gonna go too, you know. And so, mm -hmm. these are things that, through a native lens, like become obvious, you know. Um, so I'm gonna close the windows. <laughs> okay. There's a rooster out here. <laughs> this is it's the real deal. Yeah. We out here. Yeah. I kind of like that though. You know? yeah. <laughs> Dirt bikes, motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, it is. Chickens. He's just, this chicken out. he's just punctuating the, the statement. But um, I don't know. That obviously doesn't completely answer your question. But, you know, I just wanted to give a framework of, of th through a native lens. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why this sort of manifests through native peoples, but hmm. the idea of like being effective or or, or um, efficient coming through as well. What's the best thing to do? Okay, well, what does that mean? What's the best thing? To do? Well, what's the best for everyone? You know, and how do we really round that out and make it just overall fair? And that idea of equality or egalitarianism, hmm. it seems to be a lost concept on capitalist sort of societies and. Yeah, yeah, what happened? I don't mean to cut you off, but like no, what man. happens if you're just capable of just 
crushing it in life and just doing everything and you're just so capable and like is it your your kuleana to give that to your community then you know you can plant you can farm you can harvest I, you can you can build you can do everything is it your your kuleana to then give back to those who have, i'm glad who you asked who don't that have question. that because <clears throat> that's kind of the base of capitalism is just people just just can just take and take and take and just keep manifesting more and more and more you know i'm, I'm so glad you asked that question because through a native lens it becomes very obvious that the kuleana for for someone that like that is is so much greater you know mm. and i what what like i started to grasp this more fully when i was you know as a father i have children and my you know my children are like my my world right but at the same time i um in raising them i noticed that i take issue when i when i and I care for them better than other children are getting cared for. You know, like my kids get get so much more abundance than than mm. than other kids. You know, especially in in third world countries and, and stuff like that. And so I fight, I struggle with that. And I'm like, what the heck? Why do my kids deserve to have all of this? You know. And what I realized was that rather than just depriving my kids and try to equalize them with with the rest of the world, which I've tried, you know. And, <laughs> And that obviously doesn't work for my partner, right? And she's yeah. like, why are you, you know, like, what, what do you have against them? You know, I'm like, I don't, have any, I don't have anything against them. It's just like, I feel like we have so much more resources, like we should be sharing that yeah. like, with others, right? And then, so the compromise that I made was that, look, if I'm going to give them as much as I give them and provide for them to that extent, I mean, obviously they're, they're growing up and excelling in so many different things because they're having that that care and attention so what does that mean and to me it means that they have a bigger responsibility now mm. and i need to remind them of that you know it's not that i have to deprive them i just right. have to let them mm. know like you guys are the kings and queens of the future like Whoa. this is your you need to step up bro i just got chills like all over my body when you said that that's so crazy yeah yeah, Chicken so just, skin. just hyping them up with, with the opportunity <clears throat> that they have as their life and letting them know that it's totally. up to them to help Yeah, like, like it is unacceptable to not, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just completely unacceptable, and, and I'm not judging them. Right. Like, they will eventually have to judge themselves, you know? Just like how anybody, when they're, when they're older and they're ready to die, like, they're just, yeah. oh my gosh, I should have done this, I should have done this, I, I could have done so much more. And so getting them in that mode so that they always can be conscious of, of that idea that yes you you do have a bigger responsibility does that mean that you can't fail of course not of course you can fail but it definitely means you can't not try you know what i mean like you you have you must try mm -hmm. and um hmm. so so that's what i say you know and and for me like i'm i'm part hawaiian i'm also part japanese i'm also part um white you know i have polish ancestry so so that puts me in all kinds of buckets of privilege in Hawaii, you know. Um, it, you know, I have the white privilege, I have the Asian privilege, you know, and for anybody that understands Hawaii, like each of those have this certain element of privilege. As a Hawaiian, you know, even though I, yeah. I experience huge amounts of discrimination within the system, like I can walk anywhere, any anywhere I want, and if, if people identify me as Hawaiian, I'm gonna get treated better, you know. I might not get treated better at the bank or when I'm applying for a job, but I have Asian, I'm also white, so I can use that, you know? And so it's, it's really up to me to take that privilege and to turn it around and not be like, oh, well, you know, I guess I just got lucky, you know? It's, it's not that at all. It's like, uh, I was given that, sort of like how the Buddha was given huge amounts of privilege. And I think through his own, I guess, introspection, 
no one had to tell him that, well, you're privileged, you better do something with your life. I think that extreme pressure sort of dawned on the Buddha and he was like, man, I gotta, I better step up, you know? And I think that that's the kind of thing that we need to really promote yeah. And rather than like giving billionaires high fives for like, you know, being billionaires and 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 and, and trying to imitate them and, you know, uh, you know, praising them, we really need to remind them like of the responsibility that they're abandoning, you know. And mm. there's a lot of us to remind Beautiful. and there's only a few billionaires, you know what I mean? So it's uh it's it's really our fault, you know, for not saying anything, because we're billions strong, keeping our mouth shut on that, you know. And <clears throat> wow. Did you get down with the the kind of the Mauna Kea movement that happened like last year? <clears throat> I never went there, but actually, when I when I realized what was happening, that inspired me to do the show that I that really I, that I, yeah totally wow. yeah. I realized that that I was sort of not doing my part <clears throat> and just a little bit of about about my family background i'm third generation hawaiian activist so my father was a hawaiian activist and my grandmother before was an hawaiian activist so it was always been in my blood and i just kind of thought as a kid i was like just thought they were silly i'm like what are you guys you know what are you guys doing like yeah talking about <laughs> the united states doesn't belong here and you know hawaii needs to be sovereign and all of that and it didn't really um it wasn't meaningful to me until uh, the Mauna Kea movement. Then it became a, like a personal uh, Do you want to give a little background mission. on the Mauna Kea movement for maybe some people who don't know? Who yeah, exactly. Saying? So the Mauna Kea movement essentially is the resistance against uh, building the 30-meter uh, telescope on Mauna Kea. Which, which is over on the Big Island. Which is on the Big Island, yeah. And so... Um, which is which was a huge um, business venture that you know probably would have enriched you know a few people, not necessarily the the uh, Hawaiian community or not even necessarily the the residents of Hawaii. Really, this was just a sort of a political business move that was going to bring international attention and monies into um, the Big Island to do you know aerospace sort of projects and uh it was a huge a huge resistance from the native hawaiian community and they basically protested it you know was totally against the way it went down <clears throat> and uh had gatherings up there for for what seems to be years at this point and you know celebrities went up there and all kinds of stuff i mean any any like native hawaiian you know well-known celebrity was went you know, I don't know if they did it to promote their own selves or just because, you know, mm. they didn't want to be the one celebrity that didn't show up. But whatever it was, they, they made a showing and it was a big deal. And I mean, it was enough to get me off my chair, you know, and, and, and do the things that I do. And it just kind of woke, woke us all up and was like, wow, this is, this is a big deal and we're getting international attention. And I don't want to argue the merits of the telescope or, or you know, sure. that kind of thing. I just feel like if we're going to build a telescope, it should be on, on our terms, you know. It should be um, not business interests that drive that. You know, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be foreigners that are deciding the fate of our natural environment. And so 
it's not that I think a telescope is a bad idea, but you know, where's the money going? You know, mm -hmm. if the telescope is going to generate revenue to bring back all the taro fields all over the state, great. I would love that. Put gave everybody housing, that'd be awesome. You know, re renovate all the fish ponds, even better. But not one dime of that revenue was allocated to those things. You know, so that that's that to me is like worth speaking up about. You know, it's not we're not saying no telescope. What are you doing with the money, you know? Hmm. And it's also, um, you know, somewhat sacred land too, right? And I mean, how many hotels and telescopes and things need to be built on right. Hawaiian graves and, you know, like taps into all that stuff too. I don't know that much about I it, mean, but it I is. imagine that's a thing too. It is, and that was what was used to drive the movement. But even for, for me, I think we should even look at that. Like, what is the resistance? Is that just, um, you know... Uh, what do, they, what do they call that? When, when the opposition is not real opposition, it's just sort of like installed. So they control both sides. They control the opposition mm. as well, you know. Mm. Um, and I and I suspect that, you know, mm. because if you think about it, you know, if you say, "Oh, I want to protect the graves," now you're back to the property right. Well, that's a property right. So you gotta you gotta cite the laws that protect po property rights. Otherwise, you can't protect the bones because don't forget, bones are private property, and that's that. Those laws are the ones that. So you want these laws? Yeah. So you, you want to make sure laws. you have these laws. You know what I mean? I and, and yeah. Hmm. And you and re religion. Make sure freedom of religion. You know, you gotta make sure that you that you use that. You know, put that in front of your argument rather than the the real the political arguments, oh. which are which are more bulletproof. It's like that goes beyond the United States laws because it's like you're exposing the whole thing as a fraud. Right. But we don't have that argument. We have the argument within the law, which is right. has to do with what's the state law say and what's the federal law say. You know, we don't look at what the, the Hawaiian law say. You know. Well, I think something that excited me about that movement as being, you know, I've lived in Hawaii for ten years as a foreigner, I guess, right. as a visitor. And I think something that excited me about that was the movement and the collective you know, a movement of moving towards that awareness and bringing back sovereignty almost. And I was just wondering kind of where that's at these days. And cause I feel like that's what it would take, right? In some ways is actually kind of coming together and being like standing up for what is right or what is Pono. And like, that was a great movement to have so many people <clears throat> going into that direction and being like unifying, you know, the, the cause, I guess. Absolutely. And like, I just wondering where that's going <clears throat> these days and if that's even a possibility and if there was even conflict that came up even amongst locals or whatever of like where that movement is going and how they want that to be seen as well you know i mean i'm asking like the weirdest like i'm phrasing these questions just so weird. i mean i don't, you know, I, don't I just don't know what i'm talking about but i think i know i think you raised some some good points and first of all it did unify uh -huh. a, a lot of hawaiians and non-hawaiians because it it gave us like a focal point right mm. and a very big one it was like uh just the physical size of of Mauna Kea I mean that stands for something really big and unforgettable so right that is a really solid kind of anchor so that like we're not going away you know and that's a reminder that like we're not going away and the movement is not going away because it's 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 a mountain you know what I mean like that ain't going anywhere so and it's the biggest mountain on the planet so you know as mm. far as like the tallest and so mm. that is a huge statement and if you can like kind of sink into that, you feel very confident and supported in in the cause. And so yeah. 
that's what it did for me, you know, and it made me feel like, wow, it's not just me. It's, you know, and, and we actually have a chance to like change this thing. Um, <clears throat> but there's going to be controversies, you know, there's going to be people that exploit that and try to like lead it in a certain direction, you know, controlled opposition. That's the word I was looking mm -hmm. for, where you sort of have this resistance, but you're even controlling that and you're putting all these sort of false narratives behind, um, you know, the resistance itself. And so you have a tendency for people to sort of get distracted by that. But again, it doesn't, it's not going to discourage me. I'm still going to use that, you know, to, to get the truth out and to get the message out and to have people pay attention. And so I think for those of us that take that opportunity to speak our truth, regardless of if anyone is, agrees with it, like that creates the opportunity to have dialogue. And I love to mm -hmm. pe people want to argue with me on the radio station because hmm. that's how I get my point more refined. I can actually look at the things that I'm promoting and revise them because they're not always going to be, you know, correct. And also it's a, it's an educational tool for, to teach other people that may have no clue what is going on. So, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's definitely, um, empowering, I gotta say. Is that I'm gonna I'm gonna stop asking questions here in a moment because I can feel like I'm just asking all the questions and Wolfgang I want you to have an opportunity to hop in there in any way but sure. is there um is there like a is there a way is that all it would take is people who recognize themselves as you know like Hawaiian from the Hawaiian Kingdom just unifying and coming together and just being like hey like we need change or we need to be recognized and. Like, is that all it would take? Is just really unifying and continuing to stand in that and and speaking out about that? Or is it just seems like things are kind of separate. You know, everyone is kind of fighting their own fight in a, in a certain way, and it's yeah. almost like a losing battle as time goes on. Is that the way it is, or? it's It has been that way. Uh -huh. It's not gonna be that way in the future. And there was actually, there's been a turning point. Epic. And I think like what you're saying is this is this all we have to do i i think the answer is yes and no because depending on who you are mm -hmm. again you have bigger kuleana if you if you can stomach it you know what i mean like for mm -hmm. someone like me like i can't just talk about how we were overthrown mm -hmm. like that's not enough for me like i have to create revolutionary change because mm -hmm. i'm able to do that you know what i mean like for someone else it might just be you know promoting the the narrative the correct one and to just you know sort of speak out and participate as much as they can you know show up at meetings and talk about it with people and you know just constantly keep it going oh did you know this did you know this this is what the situation in hawaii and so for each person it's going to be different and, and you need to really like be honest with yourself like what is your capacity because if you have all this privilege like you 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 really owe it to to do more you owe it to to the world really and i mean i can i can speak to that as well um as far as why why everyone in hawaii natives and non-natives alike kind of have this this responsibility um because of our privilege <clears throat> and because of our position and, and this kind of just dawned on me recently is the idea that because hawaii continues to be occupied by the United States and continues to house all of this military. We're the most military, mi militarized place on earth, I mean, essentially. And 
you know, you can spin it however you want it, but if you really look at the truth of the matter and the heart of the matter, we are part of the political machine, the military industrial complex that keeps the entire world enslaved to capitalism and, and basically extreme amounts of inequality because all of our missiles are here. Like we have this dominant presence in the Pacific. And so the, the longer we wait and allow this to continue, the more responsibility we have for all the devastation. Wow. So, and that goes for everyone that enjoys Hawaii, all the tourists, everyone that lives here, all the natives that have allowed this to happen to, to, to transform from where we were to where wow. it is now, all the natives that elected the, the, the monarchy that essentially completely failed us, you know, and then we did nothing about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, we, we chose this. I mean, we, we, we built this reality and yeah. many of us have very, very high standard of living being in Hawaii. Huge. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, you know, there are people who here that live minimum that have minimum wage. They send half of their paycheck to the Philippines, and the people in the Philippines are living like you know, royalty. That's how much abundance we have here. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, we are enjoying that at the expense of countries like India, China, you know, East Asian countries and African countries, like because all our guns are pointed at them. You know. You might say, oh, it's U.S., it's like not my fault, but you, we are allowing it, you know? The, the every day that we don't have an uprising and that we don't have a, a total revolution, Yeah, I'm not trying to incite violence <laughs> or incite a revolution, but I'm saying that every day that we don't overturn the system is, is another day that we're essentially enslaving the rest of the world. And so wow. there's a huge amount of kuleana for those that can understand wow. that and understand that the more we just sit around, this machine is, is us, you know? We are, I mean, it's like, the way you can look at it is this. It's like Hawaii is in a way, like, a, like you put a machine gun in a baby's hand and, you, and, you're, and then you make that baby point, you know, at, at, at other babies, basically. You know what I mean? But, but we're no longer a baby, like we're maturing, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we can no longer pull that card. Like, I, I'm just an innocent kid. Like, I, don't, I, I didn't choose this. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you're like an adolescent now. Like, you, you can actually choose to, to drop that weapon. Wow, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about um, how disempowering it can be to place blame on others. And, right. Like we could be here and be like, "Oh yeah, well, I mean, I love Hawaii. You know, I'm not native, but I'm here, and like, I don't like what the government's doing, but what can I do? You know? And that's super disempowering place to come from. Super disempowering. And yeah. I think so. The the message I'm getting is. Um, even if it's just a little bit to start making making it a point in, in our lives, if we like living here and and you know, we want this place to thrive and grow, to to make it important in our lives to move towards taking taking our responsibility to bring things back. Right. And, and to change the way things have been going. And um, even if it's just meeting up with people like you or other people who are who are talking about this stuff and and sharing it with people who don't know because i feel like there's there's such a lack of like awareness around all this stuff you know right and that's why i love you so much because i just get so jazzed up when i hear you talking <laughs> about this stuff i'm like yeah like I, I actually do have power i can make a difference i'm not just some white guy who's here who loves the place but can't do anything right thank you yeah, that's why we definitely wanted you to come on the show and have a lot of, you know, like, a lot of other voices heard. 
as well. That's that. like that's the whole point to be using this platform as that stage. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing from your heart. Yeah. Truly and speaking truth. And I, I just so. want to put this out there and thank you guys for for saying that. Um, I, I actually believe, and this is a prediction, that um, Hawaii will achieve independence, mm-hmm. um, whether through our efforts or not. And the reason why, and it's unfortunate, but this is the reason why, is that money will always find a way to make drastic changes to profit from. And that is that would be one of the most shocking and unexpected and lucrative um, opportunities for for global investors is is basically to overturn the the political status of Hawaii. I mean, wow. if you really think about it. I think in what way? It, I don't I've, I've, I've never heard that. referred to like this like if if uh, if like the world is kind of like a board game, mm-hmm. like possession is a weird word, but like control maybe over Hawaii and the Hawaiian Islands mm-hmm. just based on geographic location is like super important. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's like well, I'll tell you what the most lucrative thing would, would be, and this to me is yeah. what will happen is that no one will control Hawaii, yeah. and and all the forces will make sure of that, and all the money will make sure of that, so that profit can be maximized essentially, and so it's really that's an opportunity for us to sort of at the at the one time on the, on the one hand to, to sort of ride that wake, but to derail it at the at the critical point where where greed kind of wins, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because we need that momentum in order to like shift the system, but we can't allow it to turn into a, another form of slavery over the rest of the world. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's, what would that look like, or what what profits would be gained, or what would you invest in, or how? What would I mean? Betting happen? against the United States would be hugely profitable. First of all, it's, I mean, people have done that to powerful countries all the time. They toppled the, the the British pound, like you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like if you if you basically just bet it against U.S. currency, and then and then freed Hawaii, I mean, the whole thing would just collapse. I mean, you know, that's one of the things. And just moving all your investments like on the other side of the fence, really. Hmm. And I'm talking about not just American investors in multinational com- companies, but you know. Um, China, you know, Russia, Europe. I mean, the money is independent of the governments. That's what I'm trying to say is that money will make the money. And so I'll give you one example because of the way that we do business um, today over the internet, like Amazon and so forth. Hawaii, because it doesn't have any treaties um, like for um, protecting intellectual property, Hawaii, if it was independent, could literally... Uh, not pass any patent laws or any uh, intellectual property copyright laws and essentially sell any possible digital thing or physical thing without paying any royalties or licensing fees or anything to anyone. So that would be, you could download as much iTunes as you want. You could sell, you know, digital eBooks, unlimited amounts without having to pay the, you know, author. I mean, and that's extremely lucrative. It, it, essentially, you could order anything f- from Hawaii, and, and it would be like there would be no royalties attached to it, so it would be cheaper than anywhere else in the world. And you could get any medicine because hmm. there would be no nothing to prevent uh, you from selling it. There would be no way you could violate any patent because it would be a sovereign nation with no treaties. So essentially, you could have any medicine. You could have any kind of college courses taught online with no attachment to any royalties or copyrights or anything 
could have any digital asset. You could sell people um, uh, plans for anything that could be digitally printed anywhere else, uh, 3D printed anywhere in the world, and the plans could come from Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? Like anything. So you could basically create any object. So would that happen over time as uh, Hawaii is recognized as a sovereign nation? I mean, if Hawaii was recognized as sovereign, that could happen instantaneously on that day. So if you think about all the money that would like come, imagine if Amazon just all of a sudden said, yeah, we're moving to sovereign Hawaii now and we're just going to sell everything from here. No taxes, no royalties, no nothing. And we just pay the government like a fee to do that. That's really cool. Is the Hawaiian government? Yeah. Okay. Are there any fears that come up around leaving like American occupation, you think around like defense or war or like things like that? That's such a random question, but is there any like threat that there would be another country that would just take America's place in occupying these islands or some way? I know that I think sounds that's, ridiculous in this day and age. I think that know? is a concern and it's valid. Um, I do think that, you know, rather, it would, it would, that would never even happen if it was a sovereign nation. Well, I, first of all, it'd crazy. be illegal. You, yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't take over. It would like, it would collapse the whole international system because no country can be taken over by yeah. another country legally. But that doesn't mean we don't need defense. And so I think the conversation usually stops at, oh, but the United States needs to you know, protect Hawaii or whatever. So there's two ways around that. One, you could leave a couple bases here. That would be the simple solution. It doesn't need to be as extensive as it is because the reason why they have so many bases is because they're trying to be so threatening. Yeah. If you're just trying to protect Hawaii, you don't need that many bases. This is not to protect Hawaii. This is to basically aggra- aggress on the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. So if you just want to protect Hawaii, a couple of nuclear submarines, a few bases or whatever. And so beyond that, though, who says that they need to be U.S. bases? Like we could have our own bases. We could have Hawaiian bases. Well, and with- I'm sure that Hawaii would like in the scenario where Hawaii becomes its own independent nation. Once again, there would be tons of friendships with other countries outside of the U.S. as well. And then if, if there was another outside country that there was an act of war or something like that, there would be other people that Hawaii could and call things, on. And if things were Pono, America would probably be like, hey, like, let's help you out. Let's right. help you ease into your sovereignty again, you know? And like, what can we do right. um, to help that transition happen? Or what, yeah. you know, if we were, if America was Pono. But not, and not, it's not just that. I mean, people don't realize that war is not, doesn't have to be expensive. The reason why war and weapons are expensive is because it's a money-making thing. Yeah. Yeah. If all you wanted to do is protect your country, you could have plastic drones. You could have plastic drones with like, you know, that that are 3D printed. I mean, so cheap with like kids flying them. I mean, really, like that's all you would really need. And drone submarines, you know what I mean? And if you're, and as much as I'm against nuclear power, I mean, we already, I mean, nuclear uh, uh, weapons, the United States already has nuclear weapons. So either we keep those nuclear weapons and we use them and re relabel them as Hawaii or, or not. But you can't say that we need, we need the United States because the United States has nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. That, that makes no sense. If we need nuclear weapons, then we keep nuclear weapons. If we don't need them, we don't need them. I personally think we don't need them, mm-hmm. but you know, and if we don't need biological weapons, we don't need those either. But you know what I mean? It's like, where do you, where do you draw the line? What I do know, what I can say is that Hawaii is not obligated to any of these treaties that almost every other country in the world has agreed to not use nuclear weapons. 
Hawaii has never agreed to that. And no one's forcing us to agree to that. Hawaii has never agreed not to use biological weapons. No one, you know, no one's forcing Hawaii to agree to that. And that, that's what I'm saying is that just because you agree to do it doesn't mean you're going to do, do it. I mean, the United States agreed to all that, but they still right. do it. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I'm saying that as Hawaiians, as, as an honorable people, we, we won't do it, but we also don't need to agree to not do it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's basically saying don't mess with us and we won't have to do that. Don't ask us to sign something saying we won't do it because we already know that that doesn't mean anything to you guys, you know? Yeah. What would the collective be? <clears throat> like, what would... Would there, would there be a bunch of local brothers that would be like, hey, my bloodline is this, and now I'm, I'm going to be the chief? Or, like, who would be the, the lead role in a sovereign nation? I mean, that's or debatable. Like, I personally think that bloodlines at this point are not good enough because the whole point of having a bloodline is that you're preserving that pure blood. And when I say the pure blood, it's that being that acts pono. You know, so if you're the if you're this like great being, and you're Pono and you understand Ho'oponopono and you've applied that technology and you maintain that, your kids will have it too. That's the thought, right? But that's gone. We're all corrupted. You know what I'm saying? So you cannot find someone that has just because they have the genealogy that they're that they that they have any resemblance to that ancestor that was like this very noble being, and right. so. For that reason, I, I think that's out. If the people decide that they want to have a symbolic um, monarch to, for the sake of like garnering like unity, fine. But don't give that person any power. Like that's a mistake, you know. That that and so you see that today. You see monarchs that are like you know, they have this bloodline. They're you know they they get to live in this fancy house mm-hmm. and. They're a symbol of power, right? But but they, they generally don't have any any real power. And I think that we could we could definitely have that kind of monarchy. I've even thought like, and I've talked about this with some of my um, collaborators on the show, um, which so it wasn't my idea, but I, you know this was proposed, and I thought it was an excellent idea um, to have a non-human um, monarch. So, for example, in our tradition, in our culture, we have a being called Ha'aloha, which is essentially the ancestor of of all humans, which basically was came from a kalo plant, taro. So basically um, the first human sort of grew out of uh, kalo, essentially. Was, I just heard this story yeah. recently. You, it's you, awesome that you bring it up. Did you hear the story? Okay, so... Yeah. I mean, I'm not telling it like super legit, but right. but the point is like, you know, the gods came together and, and, and created the first human and, and, and that human was stillborn. And then, so they buried it. And then out of that human grew like a, a kala plant. And then yeah. the second baby was born alive and ate from the kala that was from the, from the afterbirth of the, you know, first baby. And so that was our origin story, right? And so that to me makes sense that we would make Haloa who still exists as a spiritual sort of uh, ancestor, you know, but, but, but also exists in the physical as Kalo, which we see every day. So essentially by saying our, our, our monarch is Haloa, are we're basically saying that we're subservient to the land, to the Aina, which is really the way it should be. But it is a human too. It's just, that. it's I a human that, that is yeah. still alive, you know what I'm saying? And will never die. So you can't ever overthrow that that king right that is the king mm-hmm. forever 
because it's infinite, right? I mean, until you exterminate every last human and every last Kahlo, it will still live on because we are all, and that's like part of their connectivity is that we are all like come from the same seed. Whether you want to say that seed was the first human or the first, you know, uh, amoeba or the first, sure. you know, dust particle of the creation of the universe. I mean, we're all connected at some point because it all orig originates from the same like beginnings, mm -hmm. whether that was 50 billion miles long or like a dot, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to, you know, debate that. The, the, the idea is that we're all here and we were always here. And when we die, we're still here, mm -hmm. you know. <clears throat> is there anything that you wish that someone who is coming to visit um, Hawaii, uh, what would you, what would your advice be to them? You know, or like just as a visitor to this island? I mean, again, these there's, islands, there's no these one size islands. fits all, but like, I would say for someone that really wants to be a part of Hawaii, like if they feel connected, whether they want to, you know, have this be, be their vacation spot or whether they want to move here and, and raise their kids here, I would say like the one thing that will not ever steer you wrong. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do that you know, would have mixed results. But I think the one thing that will not have mixed results, it would be overwhelmingly positive, is to learn the Hawaiian language, to learn mm -hmm. Olelo Hawaii. And that's across the board, especially if you're not native. Mm -hmm. And if you learn Hawaiian, I mean, you basically become a legend in your community. That's basically what happens, is mm -hmm. that you get so much respect. Like you, because it, I mean, it's such a simple gesture, but if, if you do that, if you commit to that and you speak fluent Hawaiian, you will basically be a hero and you'll be part of the cause for re basically rejuvenating wow. know, like the Hawaiian culture. That's inspiring. <clears throat> is that used often these in like, I mean, how often is the Hawaiian language used on a daily basis? And I'm just gonna, can, I'm just gonna be super fucking white right now. I mean, now you can say that. You can learn like, it on the internet. <laughs> you can learn it on uh, like an app. You know, okay. you can learn it. Is that is that like you actually take, legit? You can though? take university. Yeah, totally you can take a yeah. class in a university. I mean, you can t you can if you have kids, you can take your kids to um, Hawaiian Immersion School. I mean, you know, it's okay. like it, there's many ways you can learn it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the probably more authentic ways to learn it is to hang out with people from Nihau. You know. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, what's what's wow. like? The, I mean, since we're already here, you know, like yeah. what would be the best way? For I me? I would find people from Nihau and and yeah. just sort of. Wow. You know, just, just make friends and, and they're just such wonderful people and they're, they have such a command of the language, you know, mm -hmm. it's way different from what you would learn in university, Totally. but it's a living language, you know, and they, um, people from Niha are so isolated that they, even though they have, you know, obviously been Americanized to some extent and they, you know, um, they've lost a lot of their tradition as far as Hawaiian-ness they have a lot more of it than, than other Hawaiians like myself because they have that language, you know, and that's their connection. And they still have that connection between the language and the land. And what they see is a different reality than what we see, you know. They see things a lot clearer than what it is. You know, for example, the idea of ownership is is um, totally foreign, you know, to them. And, and like, I'll give you an example and this was like a secondhand story, but someone told me that they were hanging out with some people from Nihau and 
um, they were like admiring this person's ukulele that they were playing, an Ihao person playing an ukulele, you know, singing songs and, and whatnot. And, and the guy was just kind of um, staring at the ukulele. And so I guess the person playing it saw the person staring at it. And I, after they were done playing, like when everybody started going home, they they were like, "Oh, this is for you." And the guy was like, "What do you mean? This is for you?" He's like, "Oh, you were looking at, you you were looking at my ukulele the whole time I was playing it." He's like, "I want you to have it, you know." And and the guy was like, "No, I I, I don't want it, you know. I was just like, it's a beautiful instrument, you know." But for people that are of the Hawaiian culture, they real they see things different, you know. They're like, "I would prefer." To, to give you the thing that makes you happy rather than to deprive you of that. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how much I love it. It's not, and that applies to even like your wife, you know what I mean? Or, or, or you know, something that in general, our society thinks that's an ownership thing, you know? But in Hawaiian society, it's like, oh, you're looking at my wife, like let her go home. She wants to go home with you now, you know? It's like, and so that's, it's a whole different deal. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and it's not like she's gonna leave her husband. She'll be back, but like, you know, she, if you if you stare too long, I mean, that's mm. <laughs> that's 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 what's gonna happen. Keep your eyes you on know? the prize. <laughs> exactly. So, wow. this is a different philosophy, right? Uh -huh. It's a completely different way of life. I'll give you another example of something that someone told me about uh, Micronesia, which is which is close to the Polynesian culture, but um, different ge geographical area of the Pacific. But uh, someone told me that, you know, in Micronesia, if you, if you um, kill someone through, through like, a, you know, especially if it was a, you know, a fight or something like that, some, some violent altercation and you were to kill them, um, you don't necessarily go to jail. If the family, um, if you apologize to the family that, of that person, they will automatically take you in as, the, as a replacement, basically. And you don't, there's no punishment. Like you basically gave your life, like for the life that you took. And that's. Yeah, you gotta start paying all their bills. <laughs> yeah, no, you, <laughs> you basically do. Like if, if they had chores or whatever, like yeah. that's your chores now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's your, that's your basically, because you forget, you were like, I'm sorry. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't, yeah. I don't, you know, I may, maybe I meant it when I did it, but like I wanna make amends. Wow. Like, you know, please forgive me. And that's, that's like they have to. They can't be like, no, 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 like, we're mad at you. It's like, no, are you willing to, you know, this guy had like five jobs, like, are you are you down for that, you know? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, life in prison is the alternative. It's like. Wow, that, well, yeah. that's true. It's a true example of Ho'oponopono, yeah. you know, just really <clears throat> taking ownership and making right. Right. So. So the language will show you these things, you know? Yeah. It's like. Yes, the Ho'oponopono as a technology is also, I think, necessary. You can't just learn the language to get the complete. But the language will, will, will open you up, essentially, to receiving that. And when the technology comes your way, you recognize it. And you're like, wow, I, I, I recognize that technology is something I want and I need. And so does everyone else. You know what I mean? And that's how valuable it is. It's like, it's, it's just sort of, uh, there's nothing else for us that I know of that that can redeem us in that way. Do you, I know Wolfgang, we need to go to Tori's yeah, birthday thing soon, but I have a question. Here. Do you have any, 
any words to maybe someone that is feeling a lot of anger or injustice to what's happened, you know, to anyone, or especially in this case, you know, the, the Hawaiian uh, islands and the culture and all that stuff. Like if you're feeling a lot of like resentment, anger towards um, uh, America or towards visitors or foreigners or anything like that, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for someone that's seeking to transmute that or to work through that? And such a random question. I mean, I would say that, you know, unless you have a better way, you know, which, which obviously you don't if you're still upset. Mm-hmm. So I would say that this applies to those that are still upset and can't figure out a way out, um, that you really have to take responsibility. Hmm. You know, you have to take personal responsibility for what exists because you've allowed it to exist. Like whether you want to admit it or not, you played a role, not just while you've been here alive, but as your ancestors, you know, we're basically a continuation of our ancestors and our ancestors are a continuation of their ancestors. So we carry that responsibility. We're not like forgiven of that, you know? And, and that's the thing I, I, I find it hard to believe that someone could be like, you know, like a mass murderer or something. And then they and they have a child. And then that child suddenly is like this most innocent thing. It's like, this child isn't, is not innocent, you know? You might appear to be, but the responsibility, this child is a continuation of that being. And so legally, sure, you're absolved of it, but there's all kinds of things that we can absolve ourselves of legal liability. I mean, we can have insurance, we can have like a limited liability company. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we can have a good lawyer, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But the reality is that we are all responsible and we're all equally responsible and we share that. And so if you can bear that burden, which is really your duty, then you don't have time to be upset. You know, you don't, you don't have the right to be upset. You're, you have to do something about it, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and that doesn't mean to reverse what was allowed, but from here forward, what, what do we do next? You know, it's not about reversing. It's about what do, what's the next move? It's like chess. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter what the, what the last 10 moves were. Mm. What's the next move? words of wisdom bro i love that thank you so much last question and then we'll end it (laughs) should you come here and buy land should can should you come to hawaii and buy land in hawaii um because yeah i i would that's a loaded question we can end on that on that loaded question i mean i i would say you know if you if if you're prepared to to do the work that what we've been speaking of this whole time you know Mm -hmm. to be pono then yeah, I mean, get it, get it away from those that have no idea what land stewardship looks like. You know, mm. I mean, and I mean, and understand that you know, if you're, if you are, if you have ill will and you're not willing to, to um, take on the kuleana that comes with land ownership, like when this thing changes hands, when when you know when the government, the rightful government is back in place, I mean, you're gonna lose it. You know, it's going to get taken from all the people that are not Pono, basically. And those that are Pono will, will be able to continue what they're doing, you know. And, and, and be prepared to, to have all of it, no matter who you are, be prepared to take all of it's going to be taken from you except for what you need. You know, and you can be sure of that, that what you need, you'll still have. You know, and so if, if, I think if anybody can be, uh, 
I can sit with that and be okay with that, then by all means buy land here. You know, I mean, I'm, I'd give it all away and I'd give away even the stuff that I, that I think I need in order to redeem Hawaii, you know, it's like, as far as like the, the land ownership that I currently, you know, steward over and, and, you know, I, I feel like I have, you know, more than, than what I would need. Um, I would be willing to give it all away for just so that everyone has what they need, you know? Beautiful. Same. And I've been, I love, I love Hawaii. It's shaped me as a man and who I am. And I, I owe so much to, and I love living out here, but I would leave if I, if I felt like it was for the greater cause and would help, uh, to spark a movement of justice and equality and, and righting any wrongs ever done. I don't want to, you know, but I would to, to be in right standing. Mm -hmm. So same here kind of random but yeah no i so thank you so much for you. being here bro yeah, super man. epic Seriously. yeah really epic i feel i got like chills multiple times when you were talking <laughs> and i feel like you struck some chords and you expanded my some perspectives that i, I didn't know and was yeah so you expanded my, my ability. i think this will so be a good you. way for people to get a glimpse into what's going on here in a different way and um <clears throat> We'd love to have you back again and just go deeper because I know you be my you pleasure. Go, go for a long time, so and feel free to you know join join me on on equally sovereign or even out of the box if you guys want to, you know. So well, I feel like you open would, invitation. Thank you so much. That's, I mean, that's amazing. I feel like you. Should, I don't know. I don't know. If, I always doubt our abilities to to know what the what we're talking about so i don't know what we could bring to your show you know <laughs> other than just asking more questions <laughs> i think i mean you know i mean i i could ask you guys questions you could ask me questions like we could we could talk about you know kind of hone in on certain topics i mean there's mm -hmm. certain things that that i i didn't really get a chance to touch on because i was trying to focus on the questions you were asking yeah but there's definitely other stuff like like the american perspective like mm -hmm. what 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 is the relationship between Hawaii and the United States, like from from a from an American person, from from a, like a United States citizen, right? Like, how were they wronged? You know what I mean? Like, how how was how was the United States as a as a public, uh, you know, we the people? How were they taken advantage of by their own government? You know that these are things that people. Dude, I'll tell you right now. When I moved to Hawaii when I was twenty, I had no idea that there were even Hawaiian people like living out here that wrongs were done to them or anything like that. I was never educated about any of that at all. I you probably out. don't know that tons of federal money comes to Hawaii too. Like that. I mean, if Hawaii is a foreign country, that's a lot of foreign aid that the United States is coughing up. You know what I mean? That is coming out of taxpayers. Wow. So to, yeah, to, to um, solidify the war, exactly you know, and the, and all the, for war all the for positioning exactly. out here yeah so we can get into that kind of those kind of topics you know there's epic there's little there's 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 a, a subtopics that we can dive deeper and you know refine some of the questions that people have but so cool man so grateful for your presence out here and thank totally. you for being educated and doing the work in your own life and for being open to talking about it in a, in a really clear way and and taking responsibility totally so yeah. thank you so much Thank you, guys. We appreciate you I so enjoy much. It. Well, cool. Thank you all for tuning in for another exciting episode of Council of Lit Podcast. Um, we do this all for you. And uh, again, we, we appreciate all the feedback and love and support we get from our listeners and friends and family out there and the council members we like to call you. And uh, yeah, just... 
do us a favor and stay lit and uh, send us in any questions or anything that you guys want to hear from us or want to know in the future and we can we can definitely chop it up and, and move in that direction so that's me Crystal Wolfgang signing out and uh, sweet thank you very much thank you so much